All right, all right. Man, look at you guys. I want to tell you something. Nothing thrills me more than to see a whole hill full of OBC. Man, I love y'all so much. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to do something a little different today. Normally, if we have an outside service, I'll kind of do a standalone sermon. But I'm just going to keep on preaching this series, Toxic Emotions. We're in week three of our series called Toxic Emotions. Uh, So far, we've talked about anger and fear. You know, toxic emotions are emotions that appeal to our flesh and drive us to sin. Toxic emotions poison our minds and hold our hearts captive. Toxic emotions rob us of the healthy emotions God intends us to live with. You get this, right? As God's people, we live with competing emotions in us. The Spirit of God in us desires for us to live with God-honoring emotions. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But our sin nature tempts us to give in to toxic emotions. Fear, anger, worry, anxiety, envy, jealous, lust, worthlessness, guilt, shame. So this series is about learning to say no to toxic emotions that are competing for control in us. So I want you to really get dialed in today. I know it's a little harder to to get dialed into a, uh, a more serious sermon outside, but just hang with me here because today we're going to talk about envy. Now, now when you hear the word envy, you don't think, well, man, that's, that's pretty benign compared to hate or anger. But I'm telling you, envy is a powerful and extremely toxic emotion. If you listen, say amen. Envy causes us to miss the life God has for us, pursuing the life God has for someone else. Why do we do that? Why do we envy? Let's just start out saying this. I envy because I want what someone else has or is instead of what God gave me or made me. There's a great picture of the power of envy and why it can be so toxic in Matthew chapter 27. Let me kind of get the context for you. Jesus has just been arrested. He's been uh, kind of a mock trial before the religious leaders. And now he goes before Pilate. And there was a tradition in the Jewish custom that once a year, the Roman governor would release one prisoner. And Pilate gives them the option. You can have Jesus or you can have Barabbas, who was a scum of the earth kind of guy. Look what happens. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew, listen now. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. 
Wow. It was envy that motivated the religious leaders to arrest and ultimately crucify the Lord Jesus. They wanted the power and authority that belonged to Jesus alone. They envied what he had. Hmm. How about you? You ever want what somebody else has? Do you ever want to be who someone else is? Do you daydream about having what somebody else has or being who somebody else is? Man, I want their house. I work hard. I deserve that house as much as they do. I want their job. I'm just as smart as they are. I'm tired of making peanuts. I want their husband. I want their wife. I'm tired of being ignored by this jerk of a husband, by this nag of a wife. I want their looks. I want their brains. I want their talent. I want their swag. Do you see how envy always leads to a dissatisfied heart? We need to learn to count our blessings, not our neighbors. Amen? So what happens when we envy? You know, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon was the richest man who ever lived. He gives us some real insight into envy. So when I envy, certain things happen. The first thing that happens is I'm never satisfied. Ecclesiastes 4 says, Then I saw all the toil and all skill in uh, in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity. So when Ecclesiastes says vanity, it just means it's worthless. And it's like striving after the wind. I mean, chasing the wind. I mean, you know what that means, right? If you're try- Look, if you're chasing after the wind, if all you're ever doing is chasing, if the wind is always right there, but you never quite get it. Envy is like, Pursuing something that's always at your fingertips, but you never have. And you can waste your life chasing the wind after envy. You know, um, here's a great question to ask ourselves. Do you determine where you are based on where someone else is? Chasing the wind always guarantees a dissatisfied life. Verse 5 says, The fool folds his hand and eats his own flesh. Yuck. Solomon's just saying this to make us understand. He's not talking about being lazy and not working. That's what a fool does. Solomon is forcing us to examine our motivation. Is the emotion behind our toil, healthy or toxic. Verse six says, better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. Man, that's strong words. Verse seven says, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. They don't even have anybody to share it with. And eyes, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches. Enough is never enough. So that he never 
asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? Boy, that's a penetrating question. This also is vanity. It's, it's worthless. It's an unhappy business. Mm, those are powerful words. Solomon asks a huge question, for whom am I toiling? Why am I doing what I do? I'm going to tell you something. I, I know men whose work never ends. That, that's something we can admire. But if it's a toxic emotion, you got to be really careful. I know men, they accumulate wealth. They say they're doing it for their family. But because they never take time to enjoy the wealth they've accumulated with the people they love, they lose their family in the process because their work got the best of them. The most valuable part of them. They lose their family in the process. It happens so much. It it sounds like a movie script. Here's another thing that happens when we envy. This is so simple, so true. We want what we shouldn't. (laughs) Envy isn't just, I want more because somebody else has more. Envy makes us want the wrong things. Proverbs 3.31 says, Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. My my son Stephen and I love to watch... um, SEAL Team, that show SEAL Team. And you watch it and you're, you're, oh, it's so great. Oh, it's so great. Man, I want to shoot somebody in the head and make their brains explode. I mean, what? Proverbs 23, 17 said, don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. We easily envy Actors, business people, singers, athletes, politicians who are godless people. Why don't we envy the godly? A humble person who worked hard their entire life. They are generous, kind, helpful, and selfless. They have very little, but great is their reward in heaven because they spent a lifetime storing up their treasure in heaven. Why don't we envy them? Because envy drives our hearts to want and admire sinless, godless people. Envy makes us want what we shouldn't. Proverbs 24, 1 says, don't envy evil people or desire their company. If you had to make a list of people, you said, man, I'd love to meet this person, maybe get their autograph, hang out with them. If there were just five people in the world, man, who would that list be? How many of them would be because they are hard after Jesus or their impact on the kingdom? Be careful who your heroes are. Here's another thing that happens when I envy. I I live in the comparison trap. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who 
tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. <laughs> it's ignorant to live in a comparison trap. Why? Well, I mean, why is it so weird, so wrong, so harmful to keep comparing ourselves to other people? Because there's always somebody with more er, smarter, prettier, skinnier, richer, faster, stronger, wiser. You see, there's no way to win the comparison game because you're competing with people who don't even know they're in a competition. When we live in the comparison trap, there's only two possibilities and neither of them are good. We are either arrogant because we convinced ourselves that we are er, or we're depressed because we convince ourselves we'll never be er. You know what? So much of this is driven by social media. I mean, you look at social media and you go, man, look at them. Or you look at social media and go, man, I'll never be that way. Or you look at social media and go, look, look at, I mean, you know how it is, man. I mean, you, you, loser, 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 loser. Or I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. Because we convince ourselves we'll never be er. Don't you see how toxic envy is? Here's another thing. When I envy, I'll ruin my life. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Well, that's great, isn't it? Look now. But envy makes the bones rot. Boy, now there's a word picture. Envy makes my bones rot because they get infected with the disease of sin. Here's another one. When I envy, I open myself for every other attack of Satan. This is huge. James 3.16. Now look, listen. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. I mean... Let that sink in a minute. When I envy every other evil thing is there. When the toxic emotion of envy gets rooted in our heart, it will convince us that every other evil thing is okay if it gets me what I want. Mm. Think a minute. When the toxic emotion of envy settles in my heart, it's like opening the door for Satan to cram every evil thing he wants to in there. So, how do we say no to the toxic emotion of envy. You know, the cure for envy is really simple. The cure for envy is contentment. You see, a contented heart neither wants or needs 
what somebody else has or is. Contentment is a simple idea, but it takes faith and wisdom to achieve contentment. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You see, we learn to be content by pursuing what only God can give us. When we receive from God what only He can give, we stop desiring what everyone else has or is. I mean, honestly, what what is more stuff compared to the righteousness of God that He wants to give us? What is worldly position compared to being a child of and an heir of the Lord God Almighty? You see, when we pursue what only God can give, like the old song says, the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Contentment is the cure for envy. And in Paul's letter to Timothy, he gives us a great lesson about contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, listen now, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of truth. Listen now, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. You know, they start thinking, you can use God to satisfy your envy. And now here's the, here's the part I want you to pay attention to. Verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Question. When is the last time... You ask God for a contented heart. Ever? Do you know why we don't? We don't think we can really be content with what God alone gives us. With who God made us to be. Listen to me. A deceived heart is where toxic emotions thrive. The truth of God is where toxic emotions go to die. Now, maybe you're thinking now, uh, okay, I mean, I, I get all that. But I, I, I don't know what some of that means because the truth is you can't be content without the source of contentment. You see, you can't have peace without knowing the Prince of Peace. 
And some of you came today, and I'm glad you did, man, because we're going to have some great food and lots of fun and all. I mean, it's wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. But some of you here right now can never be content because you don't know Jesus. So I want to close with some prayer. So I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here right now. And you can say, Steve, I I don't know Jesus. I mean, I show up at church sometimes and I think about it, but the truth is you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. And I want you to know, Jesus, who died for your sin, died your death, was put in a grave, three days later rose again. He is right here right now offering you the gift of eternal life so that you can have in you all that you need to say no to every toxic emotion. Maybe you're here right now and you're saying, Steve, I I need that in my life. If that's true for you, would you just pray this with me? Just from your heart to God as earnestly as you can. Jesus, I believe you. I believe you died my death on the cross in my place. I believe you rose again. And right now, you are offering me a gift of eternal life so I can live the way you want me to live and go to heaven when I die. Save me. If you just prayed and asked Jesus to do those things, I got some good news for you. God's just saved you. You are now his child. And he's got a great plan for your life. Now I want to just pray with you believers. Maybe you've never prayed and asked God for a contented heart. Maybe you've struggled a lot with envy, wanting what other people have, who other people are. Could you just pray this with me? God, Help me not to miss the life you have for me, pursuing the life you have for someone else. God, will you teach me to live with a contented heart by embracing the things that only you can give? And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.